Sixer Nation, what is good? We are back. That is right. The sun came up this morning. The Sixers are 0-2, but there is room for optimism. There is room for optimism. The Sixers fall to the Bucks, 90-88. We have some interesting news coming up about Joel Embiid. We'll talk about the fantastic version we are seeing of James Harden. But the Sixers need to steer the ship in the right direction. And we will tell you how that can happen. Welcome into Philly Take with RB. RB and Sean Bernard tapping in on the breakdown the next day after show. The more condensed, kind of chilled out thoughts. We'll take a look at some plays. We'll break it all down as we always do. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the show, man. You know what to do, Sixer Nation. We're back, man. We're back. We got to get this on the right track. Sean, how you feeling, man? Yeah, man. Feels like uh, last time I was here, we had all this optimism when we were ready for the season to start. And here we are down 0-2, just two heavyweight matchups, with the two top dogs of the Eastern Conference. And Sixers are out here taking some knockout blows right out of the gate. So still plenty of time to write this ship but not at all where we want to start not at all i don't think either one of us sat up here last week and thought we would be at zero and two maybe one and one maybe two and zero. but i don't think we thought zero and two now there are some interesting things going on we'll talk about it all also we'll take your phone calls later in the show so call us up 508-924-3784 or drop a comment let us know how you're feeling about this team chime in let us know also be sure you're following sean bernard on twitter and all of his stuff on heavy.com he does a fantastic job uh, Sixers go down last night on their home turf, 90 to 88, a tough one, man. I felt like we had the game in hand after the unbelievable job by James Harden deep in the fourth quarter, the Sixers end up giving up a late three. We'll take a look at that play. And then, um, you know, we couldn't get it done. We couldn't get it done. And I think the only place to start is Joel and beat. I don't want to start off on a negative tone, but as of a couple hours ago, some news came out and. Me, honestly, I'm sitting here last night and I'm thinking, what is going on with Joel Embiid? Because he just doesn't look right. He played awful again. Now, we do have some interesting news, like I said, that we can take a look at. This coming out from Noah Levick of NBC Sports. Doc Rivers says that Joel Embiid had plantar fasciitis this offseason, which contributed to his conditioning not being at its, at its best early in the year. Rivers said Embiid isn't bothered by it now that he expects him to get into better shape and a better rhythm. Sean, what is your takeaway from this? Yeah, it's interesting. He definitely doesn't look right. Like you could tell all game last game, even game one, it's like he's a step slow on both sides of the court. So I guess it makes some sense. It is strange to be getting this after two games in, after two poor performances from Embiid rather than something that we knew on media day, something or in preseason that was talked about. Also strange if that was the case to just be playing him to death right out right out the gates. Embiid with 36 minutes last night, uh, played 72 total minutes through the two games on the year so far. Uh, you can tell something's not right. I don't know if I feel it's as like physical as I think it's being made out to be. Like there's watching it last night specifically, it didn't feel like his normal just kind of slow starts that we've seen kind of traditionally throughout the years through him. It felt to me more like there was a little bit like a something mentally not quite locked in or there with him. So I guess it's a positive sign that this is like a an excuse or a, a reason why. But 
I don't know. I'm still concerned. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, these first two games, he he's kind of been going through the motions. He doesn't look like Joel Embiid. Now he looks slow. He looks tired. He looks out of place. But also from a basketball standpoint, he's facing a lot of double teams. These two teams who we know are going to be quality teams in the Eastern Conference are throwing a lot of defensive looks at him. They're making him uncomfortable early in games. So credit to them. But I think we can both agree, like you just said, something just doesn't seem right. It's not clicking Meanwhile, James Harden is going off. You have Sixers fans losing their minds. They're talking about Trey Joel. They're booing him last night at the stadium, which, you know, he deserved. He was playing bad. But let's take a chill pill. In terms of this Noah Levick story, I'm kind of on your side. I think you were kind of alluding to the fact that it's a weird time to put this out. Two things spark in my mind, kind of what you said. Number one, why are they putting this out now? We had the whole offseason. We had the training camp. Now we're hearing that after two miserable games, Joel Embiid is dealing with something. I'm not saying he's not or that he didn't, but it does seem weird in terms of the timing. Honestly, I'm, I'm starting to think that this is just a Doc Rivers play to try to draw some of the attention off his superstar, which I understand from a coaching perspective, but I don't know. It's a weird time to put it out. And then in addition to that, why is the man playing 38 minutes? Right. If he's not in condition, if he's not there yet physically, you're throwing him out there 38 minutes a game. What do you think? Yeah, and it also should be noted this if the the plantar fasciitis is in addition to he also had surgery on both his hands this offseason. He had it on the right ligament in his uh, shooting hand and then the index finger on his left hand as well. So like he definitely had his his bruises that he had to overcome this offseason as well as the eye injury that he he didn't have to have anything surgically done but still had to heal that up after uh, the playoffs. So he definitely his body went through the ringer last season. This is something that we've seen with Joel uh, but I don't know. There, there is something strange about it. And like to circle back to the the on court stuff, it's not like the missed shots that are the biggest concern to me. It's not it, the thing that I guess is bothersome the most is just like there's an energy that he usually kind of exudes that just isn't there. Like it felt like there was, like you said, going through the motions. There was times where he was laying in the in the backcourt, just kind of complaining at a call as the Sixers are playing five on four, or just just not moving at the pace or playing with the. The, the energy and kind of the joy that we tend to see in this play. Like, he looks kind of miserable out there, and, and I hate to see it. And until he gets back to the positive version of Joel, this team is going to be really hampered. Yeah, and, and his conditioning does look a little bit out of sorts. Like, he does need to get up to game shape. Honestly, if we're being completely honest here, if he plays just a little bit better, we probably win that game last night. And I'm yep. not happy, which, you know, we'll get more into. But, I mean, you know, to lose that game on your home floor, Giannis just starting off the season. I don't even think Giannis played that well. It didn't even feel like he was that assertive, in my opinion, compared to what he normally does. And then to lose that on your home floor with no Middleton, with no Connaughton, with no Ingles, that just really can't happen. And Joel, you know, he's putting the brunt on him. He didn't even talk to the media yesterday. There's some crazy things going on. Uh, but the fact of the matter is he needs to get into shape. He needs to get acclimated, get, you know, understand how to play with James, especially at this pace. But let's just hope he's all right, man. It, it just doesn't really look right. Um, and, and you know, Kevin O'Connor put this on Twitter. Now, I disagree with his sentiment here about uh, the MVP revenge year. And a lot of people are saying that, like, Joel needs to come out for this MVP thing. Like, I told you, that's done with. It's over. Okay? You should have voted him MVP last year because he deserved it. That's over with. Joel needs to get healthy for the sake of the team. He's been talking about how this is the best roster around him. He needs to be better. But let's just look at a couple plays and once again, you know, yes, he's getting a lot of defensive pressure here. You know, they're, they're bringing doubles, but he can't even handle the ball right now. He doesn't look comfortable. And like you said right there, his body language just doesn't look right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like this play specifically here, there's just no. Oh, that was the worst. That. that was like, the worst. In the backcourt, you just hold it up. Just turn around and dribble. He loves dribbling. If that's if that's what you want to do, just like you just can't have that kind of casual turnover. And this happened with the Celtics too. There was a, a casual bounce pass he just threw without even looking. That was picked off, went the other way. It's those kind of just like going through the motions and moments where it's just like just do the simple things and and that's what we need to see and i i do agree i think the mvp ship has kind of sailed especially for joel i don't think he's interested in it either right. i think he's way more determined for the team's success which is what we want like we we would much rather him locked in on those goals but uh like i it, i i think the third quarter last night is, is up there with one of the worst quarters if not the worst quarter that i've ever seen him play it, it was it was absolutely terrible and you know People say that we only say things about Ben Simmons or, you know, uh, Al Horford in the past. Like, no, we, we do this with every star, you know, like if you're not playing up to par, why do you think the fans were booing him last night? They just didn't see the effort. They didn't see it there, like you said. Um, but really what's telling to me is that he didn't talk to the media. He just doesn't seem right mentally right now. However, that needs to happen for him to get better. It needs to happen quickly because you don't want this ship to sail. You Obviously, you're 0-2. You play two of the best teams. But, you know. Now having a chance to stack up some of these wins, you don't want to end up blowing some of these games because you're not right. And another thing that was really telling to me last night was the defensive side of the ball, the defensive yeah. effort. Now, if I'm Doc Rivers, okay, I'm sitting Joel Embiid down and talking to him and saying, these first two games, you're going up against Al Horford and you're going up against Brooke Lopez, two big men that can bring it outside and knock down shots. So why is Joel Embiid just sitting like a rock in the paint? He's not moving at all. He's not coming out to help. And he's not closing out on his men. And it, there was just too many lapses last night. Too many wide open threes from the corner that I've seen these first couple games. And I don't like it. Yeah, no, me neither. And I we've said the MVP ship sailed. But I think there's like, a, I think I thought going into the season, there was a chance he established himself as a legitimate defensive player of the year kind of player. And there just hasn't been that type of effort from him, that kind of commitment on that side of the floor, which is really what I think his value is even greater on this basketball team. Mm -hmm. I think if he can like lock down the paint, shift out to the perimeter, the way that he's capable of, and that we've seen in past years, if he can do that on a, not every single possession, but the appeal to me of having all these other weapons, these additional guys is taking some offensive load off of Embiid, allowing him to, to lock down things because as much as the NBA becomes positionless and there's all these changes in the game, when you have a guy that can protect the paint and play at the level of defense that Joel Embiid is capable of, that is such a key and something that a team can fully rely on. And that's what I want to see from him. And it's not happening right now. And as far as like, not to keep piling on him, but when the game really swung last night, was when he was out of that game to start the fourth quarter and the Sixers ran that small ball lineup with P.J. Tucker at the five. We saw James Harden just command that unit, run it, the way they were switchable, all those things. And uh, it sucked to see like, like when the tides turned, when momentum shifted in the Sixers' favor. Joe Embiid's watching just like the rest of us. Yeah, a couple of things that really come to my mind, especially based off the point you just made. Now, first off, Joel Embiid should not have less points than Brooke Lopez. In no yeah. world should that ever happen. Six for 21 for Joel, 15 points. He still had 12 rebounds, but I always say this. Joel can get 10 in his sleep. It's so easy for him, and I, I don't know. The presence just was not there. But going to your point about Joel Embiid, and this is going to feed into my Doc Rivers rant because I've been ranting since last night. I promised myself this year going in, you know, I would give it a chance, see how this team goes. But to be honest, Sean, I'm tired of losing games the same way. It's very, it's very bothering um, to watch this team go down in the last minutes of a game. And the thing that really bothers me about Doc Rivers is that it's so 
textbook. It, it's like it, the material is the same. It's the same thing every time. I agree 110% with you regarding last night. There were uh, five minutes left, and James Harden was cooking. We will get to him, ladies and gentlemen. He is fantastic, okay? But James Harden was cooking. And as a coach who has been in the game for 34, 35 years, you have to be able to read the room. You got to be able to feel it out. Everybody was live or die. Every possession with James Harden, he was sucking the air you know, out of these fans and, and channeling that energy. Every, every possession was live or die with, with uh, Harden. And you bring Joel Embiid and Maxi back in with three and a half minutes. You bring that unit back in and it killed the momentum. You should have rocked with the same unit. And I want to pull up the play because we have them here. Two plays from Joel Embiid that cannot happen. That cannot happen. So here's the first play. And I want to get your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. So... We have Joel Embiid. All right, he comes back in, and, and this is with a minute and what two a minute and two seconds. All right, now you bring Joel back in. This this play made absolutely no sense to me. First off, you're not running it through James Harden, but second off, you bring you have Maxi bring the ball up the floor, and immediately you're going to Joel Embiid. Now this was after he also missed a couple shots. By the way, he came back in, he missed a couple shots, and you're going to run it through Joel Embiid. Now once again, he's catching the ball way too high. How come every single game, every possession so far, I feel like Joel's not establishing himself down in the post. That's the first act of business. What do you what do you think about that? Do you think he's really making his presence felt? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think my overarching point even beyond that is it's just way too much stand around and watch. It's even this play here, and we see it throughout the game, it's all isolation. Joel go do something, James go do something. Like rather, if you want to create a look for Joel here. Like, let's run a pick and roll with Harden. Let's run a down screen to get him on the block. Let's do something off-ball movement to create an easier look rather than just, like, having all these guys shot create on their own. Because I get Embiid and Harden are two of the most, like, premier shot creators across the entire NBA, but make their lives a little easier by giving a look for them instead of having them, like, create their own magic. And especially with Embiid, we saw that last night. Pretty much all of his misses, I felt, were just, like, him trying to take on a guy or him and and it kind of works both ways i feel as far as him drifting out is the Sixers have done a terrible job making entry passes to him for several years and to start this year that he kind of comes to seek out the ball but like you said he's not establishing his dominance and that goes to the same point of scheme things to make it possible for him to get the ball down low let's shift guys across the court let's create some uh some a, a down screen to get him on the block and create that touch rather than him having to float out to get the ball so i agree I, the setup of this is poor and you can see even just like the the five out basketball with him here that's just not really what you're looking for for a guy whose bread and butter is the post especially when his jumper is not falling yeah, absolutely. And and it's interesting because he came out yesterday. He looked different to begin the game. Like he was actually getting down there, muscling yeah. through Brooke Lopez. And then it's like he got tired and he went completely away from it. Now look at this play. He catches the ball. And like you said, look, dribbling, dribbling, tries to pull up. Now he did a lot more dribbling than that last night, but there's just things. It, it just doesn't look right to me. It doesn't look right to me. Like this can't be your play with a minute to go when he's not feeling it. And, and that's on Doc Rivers, in my opinion. It is. And then the other play that really got me, and, and this, man, I, I just don't understand. I, I, I was furious. I'm still furious about this play. I would love to hear your thoughts. But the last play, you draw it up 
for Joel Embiid. Again, James Harden, I don't know how many points he had in the fourth quarter. It had to have been like 13, 15, something like that. I was calling the game, so I wasn't keeping track. But this is your play. You inbound the ball. You have Harden inbounding, by the way. And then you have Tucker going to give it to Harden. He gives it to Embiid. Once again, where is he catching the ball? He's getting pushed out by Brooke Lopez. But why are you running it through Joel Embiid for the last play from the perimeter? Once, Like you said, guys all spread out on the perimeter. It doesn't make sense at this point of the game. I'm not saying he can't do that on a normal basis. But last night, he was not feeling it. And Doc has to know that as the coach and make the adjustment and say, nah, we're going to live or die with the hardened shot because he's on fire. Yeah, and isn't that the complete beauty of adding James Harden and having him is that you now have two guys that you can kind of play through and you have a a true co-star to Joel that you're not relying on him for every single night having to do every single thing. And so take advantage of that. Allow him to have his moment. And last night was a prime example of we can't ask any more from James Harden for what he did last night. He was everything I could have hoped for and more. He has more than exceeded my expectations to start this year. And if it were not for him last night, it would have cycled right into blowout territory. So mm-hmm. for him to have that energy to bring the team all the way back and really have it cooking. And that, that, uh, the game tying shot that Harden hit was Embiid deferring to him in a play where it was called for Embiid. He hit a last second pass to Harden and Harden kind of hit it. And it, like, that's a difficult shot and he's still knocking it down. I don't understand going to this here either. And like you said, like Embiid is literally his foot on the three point line here. Right. Every single time. And again, I, I'm fine with Joel with the ball, but last night it just was not his night again. And I just don't understand where the situational adjustment is just to know that at this point of the game. I mean, I, I wouldn't have even brought him back in based off how the unit was playing. You have to just go with what is working. But anyway, brought him in and then Joel Embiid is again going to try to take it off the dribble, dribbling too much. They show help and he tries to throw it cross court. And in fact, it was probably out on Tyrese Maxey, but we still got another chance that led to the eventual James Harden trying to draw contact. I didn't even like that play. And then the game was over and, and we lost. Yeah. And, and I didn't like the Harden play either that more because of the, I, I'm just never a fan of putting the, the call in the referee's mouth. You, you live or die with your shot there. You live or die with your play. Don't force a guy to make a call. Uh, I, and I did think it was good defense. I don't think it was a foul at all. I didn't like that either. I do like that Harden got it, but agreed. Just the execution down the stretch all around could have been better. Yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense. Now, before we talk about James Harden, because we, you know, we have to. We have to. This guy's been unbelievable. I don't even think these guys expected what level he is at right now through two games. I want to talk about the other two plays that I thought lost this game. The two defensive lapses. I've been saying since game one, we need more defensive communication. You've been saying the same thing. Where was it at? Where was it at? So here's the first one. Grayson Allen cuts. James Harden's looking around. He blew that play, and he was looking for Embiid to help. He didn't. Easy layup. Ties it up at 110. And then the next one is the one that lost the game. A little dribble handoff. Giannis, Grayson Allen, he drives. Tobias gets caught ball watching. If you're Tobias at that point, there, you know, you can't come over and help on that. You need to stay on your man and you need to have more situational awareness, especially being up two points. You're up two. Why are you biting on that and allowing an open three, especially from Wesley Matthews, who feels like he's 45 at this point? But if you give him an open three, he's been around the game long enough to be able to knock down a shot. So you know, one game, fine. It's only the second game of the season. It's against the Bucks, but when you get to the playoffs, when you get to you know the best teams in the league in the big moments, plays like this 
can win or lose a series. And and I just was not impressed with the defense just in totality, but especially in the crunch time. Yeah, and this play here, like we have them where they want where we want them. Like Joel chasing Grayson Allen. Look at the look he's going to get here. Like he's shooting over a seven foot two guy. And to Embiid's credit, he moved his feet right. He ran. He followed him along the perimeter and did his job very well here. He had him exactly how he wanted. I also think it's uh pretty funny. Immediately after you watch this shot go in, you see both Embiid and Tucker just turn with their hands up at Tobias, which maybe not the best body language, but look at that shot. Like if you're the Bucks, you can't ask for a better shot, especially considering the Sixers are up two right now. Like why are we we're okay with a contested two? You gotta defend the three point line there. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And then he runs to the wrong guy. And and you know, Thibel's in the game there. He's cold. He's cold. We could talk about Thibel. We could talk about you know, Paul Reed being in the first half, then going to Montrez cold in the fourth. There are just a lot of things. I just, I don't know. They just rub me the wrong way with Doc. But again, you leave a shooter, a veteran shooter wide open. He's going to make the shot. And then it, you know, went to the Embiid play and then, and then the harder one. And we, you know, we couldn't pull it out. It, it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. I just, there needs to be adjustments late in games and we need to learn how to win games. I thought last year we had learned a little bit how to win games, but now having all these pieces together, you have expectations. You need to get it done. And uh, I think part of it falls on Doc Rivers as well. I'm not going to say all the blame is on him, but I'm seeing kind of the same rhythm here. I'm I'm just feeling kind of the same pattern. We played two juggernauts right away. In fact, Milwaukee wasn't even a juggernaut because they were missing three players. I just don't mm-hmm. think it's excusable to lose that game on your home floor. Yeah, and and to your point about all the new weapons, like use them. Like I feel like we've we've sat in here and complained about Doc Rivers going too deep into the bench as our options are Perkan Korkmaz, Georges Niang, Matisse Thybul, uh, all these guys. Looking at who we have, all these new look guys, and looking at the starters minutes, like Tobias Harris for forty uh thirty three minutes, PJ Tucker thirty nine minutes, Joel Embiid thirty six minutes, Maxi thirty four, James Harden forty minutes. It's like we're in October here. Like let's slow our roll a little bit. Let's <laughs> rotate these guys in. Give these guys a break. Like PJ Tucker is going to be so burnt out by the time we get to the playoffs if this is the rate we're going to use him at. Yeah, that's a great point. I actually want to bring that up real quick. Let's let's talk about how many minutes these guys played for just one second. Okay. Let's look at these guys. Because we are in game two of the season. PJ Tucker plays the second most minutes on the team. PJ Tucker, 39 minutes. <laughs> and then you have Joel Embiid playing 36, even though he's not uh in shape, right? He's not in shape. You have Harden playing 40. You have Maxi playing 34. What? what? What's going on here? What's happening? Come on, man. It just can't happen. It can't happen early in a season like this. Yeah. And on the uh, other end of the spectrum there, like looking at the bench guys, like Niang's got eight minutes. Melton played 19. Daniel House, 21. Uh, but like Paul Reed, under five minutes. Montrez Harrell, under three minutes. If we're looking for guys with spark, like those are kind of the names we're looking at. The Paul Reeds, the Montrez Harrell, the Matisse Thibel. Those are the mix it up, give them a chance kind of guys, and that just hasn't happened. So it feels like like we now have all these these weapons, all these new options that like they have to be better utilized. And to this point, it has not been the case. And this is the time in the season, especially where we're looking to experiment with that, figure out what's right, and find the right combos. Like Shake Milton didn't play either game so far, and not that like I don't I think Shake is the answer or any uh, to any extent, but it's like. There still needs to be more like playing around with everything at this point in the game. Yeah, yeah. It's it's I just don't understand it. Shout out to everybody in the chat. 200 in here. We're gonna get to the phone line soon. So call in, give your thoughts. Shout out to Asia in the chat. Member for 26 months says, RB, what's good? Phillies tonight. 
Let's go Phillies. They gotta they gotta get the the mojo going, man. Because man, last couple of days have been tough. Last couple of days have been tough. Also, uh, shout out to our sponsor today's show, man. Let's get checked, providing uh, health testing, professional health testing, making it much easier for you. Uh, check them out. Their link down in the description. Um, but in terms of James Harden, all right, we have to talk about him because he has been fantastic. He has been absolutely fantastic. And I want, I want to talk about James Harden's numbers through two games. So 35, 8, and 7, and then 31, 8, and 9. When we look at James Harden, okay, we knew he was going to come into the season more efficient. The people that follow the team, all right, not the people that just talk once every five days and they look at it from a higher perspective. I don't even think we thought this James Harden was going to appear like this. I mean, he has been absolutely out of this world MVP Harden in midseason form. I almost cannot believe he looks this good. He's beating guys off the dribble. He's finding his teammates. He's leading. And that stretch last night in the fourth quarter, it literally took me back to like 2017, maybe 2018 in the conference finals. It's like every possession was living or dying with James Harden. Like he was sucking the air out of the Milwaukee Bucks. And he was single-handedly deserving of that comeback. And I feel bad that we couldn't finish it off for him. RB, I think he's back. I think he's oh, back. He's back. He's back beyond beyond what I could have hoped for. Like I had kind of w- wiped away the option of Harden ever becoming a guy that you can be fully running the offense in the way of creating his own shot, being the isolation guy. But now I'm kind of rethinking that, like looking at the burst he has, looking at the ability, he looks healthy for the first time since he's been a sixer, since before he's been a sixer, even I would say he might even have looked better than his uh, first little stretch with the Nets as far as the way he's moving, the way he's creating. I was blown away. I'm still blown away by what we've seen these first two games. And I'll tell you the part that is the most impressive and I'm most excited about is he shot one for seven from three last night. When we think back to the James Harden that we had last year, it was pretty make or break. Like if he's hitting three pointers or not, basically like is indicative of what his impact is. Despite not having the three point touch, seemingly he operated to the mid range. He got to his spots and he shot more. He made more mid range attempts last night than he has through any game in his entire career. Like that's nuts for a guy to be adding that at 33 years old. And I get like, it's kind of the progression of his career. That's because of that. Uh, that Houston team was so based around analytics, taking away the mid-range because that's kind of the the bad analytical shot. It's either at the rim or beyond the three-point arc. But to see this added back to his game, and he was just automatic from there. So to, I'm I'm blown away to see that fully added to his game, and he was just money. So I'm thrilled to see it. And if we can get this version of James Harden throughout the entire season, that's all we can ask for. To me, that's the biggest takeaway from these top two games. I agree 100%. And that's why... There is room for optimism because I feel that Joel will get it back. You know, Austin Crouch, shout out to Austin. He put on Twitter earlier today. He said, you know, the worst statistical month of Joel's career is October. That's just how it goes. And it takes him some time to get going. Obviously, he's dealing with a couple things like we talked about to start off the show. But like you said, for James Harden to be playing this way, we came into the season talking about Maxi taking the reins and Joel and then James and, you know, James just had to be Brooklyn James. He needed to be efficient. He is looking like an MVP right now. He's taken this team by storm. They asked him last night. He said, you know, the difference between now and the last couple of years, I can actually move now. I'm healthy. What did I say all of last year? Like we echo these things over and over. He's, he committed to it this offseason. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to stop drinking so much wine, you know, stop partying every night. Like you can see it through the first two games. This is no fluke. Okay, James Harden is back. I know we had the honeymoon phase last year. 
the way I mean, I agree with you. He's adding things to his game. The mid range. I'm I'm looking at him knock down catch and shoot threes. I mean, I, I didn't yeah. see that last year. I didn't see that last year, but his impact and his will to take over a game, it is special. Now we'll talk about what the impact is on Tyrese Maxey and all that stuff. But right now, once Joel and Maxey get it clicking, because we know they will, if we get this version of James Harden, maybe not even this version, maybe just a you know, somewhat productive version or similar to this, maybe a piece of this. If we see this James Harden, this team can go all the way. I'm sorry, they can. Like this is this was our biggest question mark. It has been answered. And that is why Sixers fans should feel confident right now, in my opinion. Yeah. And we were all so numb to the offseason videos from our, our previous years. So is this really going to translate? Like, is this legit? It absolutely is because we saw the clips of him, you know, throwing cake off the yacht, doing his offseason workouts, everything that came with it. And like, it's just crystal clear translating to the court. Like, I seriously can't believe this is the version. Like, we, we talked about that. There's going to be nights where he can be the third best player on the Sixers, and that's completely fine. Mm-hmm. He's been the top number one by a, a comfortable margin through these first two games. And the Sixers would have no business being in either one of those games if it wasn't for Harden. And they were against the best two teams in the East, potentially, with the Sixers. It's not like we were playing, you know, the, the bottom of the barrel. We're playing the yeah. Celtics, who have great wing defenders. We're playing the Bucks. I know they were banged up a little bit. But it just looks so easy for him to get those shots. I just, I cannot believe that run he went on last night. It's like every possession we're like, feed it to Harden, feed it to Harden. In fact, I was finding myself going, let's run Harden ISO. Screw it. Let's yeah. run Houston Harden. Let's go yeah. Harden hero ball. For the fourth quarter, that's the only way I felt we were going to win that game because Joel was playing awful. Tyrese was not in the game. And I just felt, okay, let's go Houston. And they had Daniel Housen. I think he played a little bit too much last night. But it's it's like they were trying to cater that Houston Harden offense just for a little bit. I didn't think it could sustain, but damn, he looked really good last night. And he just kept it going. Yeah, totally. And to touch a little bit on kind of the isolation stuff versus everything, I think one of my lingering concerns is just like, getting these guys clicking at the same time, because that's when the Sixers team will hit its ceiling and, and be the championship contender that we want it to be is when we're seeing Embiid, Maxi, and Harden all like striking gold on the same page. I need to see more of the two man action. I need to see more of that. But last night for sure, the care was isolation, get, let Harden do his thing. And, and he answered that call, but moving forward, like looking at it, I'm still frustrated by the, the lack of pick and rolls, especially with Embiid and Harden. Because there's no reason not to. Like, there's just no stopping it. And there were a couple nice flashes that look good. But you can build so much more off that once you get it clicking. Like, when the roll man is is now taken away because that's overshadowed. We saw Harden hitting those little floaters. If Embiid is popping or if, if the paint collapses, then that opens those those corner threes for Tucker and Tobias. And that, to me, has to become more of the, the central identity of this offense that I expected to be the case and I haven't really seen through the first two games. But that's something I want to watch out for moving forward. So some people last night, and I I think this has been a common theme over the first couple games, they're saying now, oh, you know, it, it's James Harden's offense. You know, Joel Embiid's frustrated at the fact it's not his, you know, offense right now. And it's too predictable. You know, it's just James, 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 James. What do you think about that? Do you think this offense is diversified enough? Do you think we're getting guys involved enough? Tobias, say, right? Like he hit a couple, he hit a big three last night. But it just feels like Tobias is playing quiet. Maybe that's him taking that backseat role. How about P.J. Tucker knocking down a shot or two? You got the bench coming in. We'll talk about the bench, too, because, man, they got outscored again, which cannot happen. But in terms of the starting five, what do you think about, you know, how these guys are being utilized? Do you think there's a a limit where it's like, all right, that's too much? 
you know, feed, force feeding James Harden and, and we need to shake things up. I think uh, I think there there needs to be more cohesion overall. It's way too stagnant. I think is my biggest takeaway. I especially felt like this after the Celtics game. I still feel like this after the Bucks game. You know, I think there were steps in the right direction. Like you just, it can't be so much just stand around and watch. And that's the case for both Embiid and Harden. Uh, and and they're very isolation based in their nature of play, which is why this is is happening. But there just has to be like more involvement, even little things like a little dribble handoff between Maxi and Harden before the ball goes to Embiid, stuff like that to just keep defenses guessing. And as great as Harden is on the ball, he's not a guy that moves off ball like at all. So yeah. like you kind of have to accept that too. And just looking at like the the floor spaces, the corner guys, it's typically uh, PJ Tucker and Tobias Harris. We see a little bit of of Daniel House doing that. Seeing so, you know, a little, a couple other guys rotating, but primarily it's Tucker and Harris. Like you can't just be standing the corner guys. Just think about like what Danny Green brought last year. How often he would run under the baseline, back and forth, those type of movements, or even stuff like setting a down screen to create that open shot. Stuff like that is the way to get all these guys involved and uh, bringing it back to the pick and roll. Like, I think that is the the answer to opening up everything because you should be able to run that with Maxi as well. The the way Maxi can get downhill and there were a couple flashes of it last night, but like, I, I think Embiid, if he's not willing as a screener, then it becomes an issue. But like, this just needs to be harped on. I, I'm not super concerned about it yet, but I just think the overall involvement of everyone needs to be better. I agree. And, and you made a good point there about Tyrese Maxey. And, and I want to talk about Maxey just a little bit because people are freaking out. People are freaking out. Let's let's pull up Maxey's numbers from last night. I mean, what was he? Six for 13. All right. Six for 13. He had uh, 15 points, two rebounds, no assists for Tyrese Maxey. Keep that in mind. Uh, 0 for 3 from deep. Now, in terms of the first couple games with Tyrese Maxey, this is my personal opinion. I feel that we did not expect such an emergence from James Harden that Tyrese Maxey's almost like fiddling with what to do. It's like, do I take over? Do I, you know, sit back and let James do his thing? When is my time to really step up and shine? And this is something we talked about. You know, how are we going to get acclimated in games, whether it's Joel Embiid, Tyrese, Joel early in games? Like, how do you kind of read the room and then, you know, shift, you know, throughout a game, right? Like if a guy's hot, do you let him keep going? I think Maxie being so young, he's kind of struggling with that identity of the offense and seeing James play like this. He's like, well, you know, I don't really know what to do. I don't want to step on his toes in a way. Um, yeah. And that's what I'm seeing from Tyrese Maxie. I'm not concerned. People are, are already screaming, move him to the bench. Uh, in terms of Tyrese, though, what, what are you seeing with his game? What is limiting him, you know, to not be able to perform like he did so far in the preseason? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a lot of finding his place within the offense because both Embiid and Harden are so ball dominant that there's just like not that many slices of the pie to go around everyone. And for him to get his little share of everything, the Sixers need it. And it felt like the only time he's really getting it is in transition. That's the only time we're seeing him be kind of unleashed. We see the Harden like throw ahead passes, him coming with the dunks. I do like that he's dunking it. That feels, uh, it feels like he's doing that much more this year. And instead of just kind of the lay around, it's like go up and slam it if you can. So I do like that. But as far as his role in the the offense overall, I think there's not necessarily moving him to the bench, but I think there's more weight to letting him play with like the bench unit guys a little more, letting him have his time as like the number one guy. And one of my concerns going forward with this team is making sure like they're bringing out the best in each other. Like it, it still feels so much like your turn, my turn, or like, I don't know, like each guy is at their best when it's their focal point, not necessarily when they're on the court together, which is something that definitely needs to be shaken out. 
but I would like Maxi to at least for like a stretch during the game to have a time where it's like his show to run. I agree. I agree. And and another thing that frustrates me is that we see some pick and roll with James and Joel. How come we do not see any Tyrese Maxi led pick and roll? I don't yeah. understand. I saw one at the end of the first game. He pulls up from the mid range and knocks down a shot easily. Like it, there was no care in the world. It was so natural. And yet we don't go back to that. We're not running enough actions, like you said, for these guys. And when it comes to Tyrese Maxey, I agree. He likes to go downhill. You know, he scores in transition. This is a team that, you know, has not looked, you know, too good in the pace column the first couple games. And as it relates to Tyrese Maxey, it's kind of hard for him to kind of ignite the engine, especially when he's trying to adapt to playing off of James Harden. Now, in terms of Tyrese, I I do think that he should be playing a little more with the bench unit because he needs to have that, that space on the floor, you know. And another thing is when Joel is down in the post, you know, and, and Joel is trying to establish himself. How does Maxi come into the equation? Because a Max, Maxi likes to go downhill at 100 miles an hour, and that's kind of hard to do with Joel in the way. And when you look at the bench, you know, the Sixers got outscored last night, what, like 20, what was it, like 29 or, or 28 to 13, something like that. I mean, that just 29 to 13 last night. We got completely outscored in the first game. I'm just not seeing the production. You know, Daniel House didn't have a good game last night. Uh, Trez barely even played. Paul Reed barely even played. Melton, I thought, had a decent game last night. But, you know, it, it's not enough off of your bench. It's not enough. And maybe Maxi could kind of spark that unit a little bit. Yeah, and some of that circles back to what we talked about, the opportunity. Like, some of these guys just aren't playing enough. Or playing the starters so significant that they're, they're just not getting their chances. But I agree, it's not enough production. There just has to be more than that. I do think Melton had a nice game. I like him a lot as a player and what he brings to this roster. But I think each of these guys are, are still haven't found their identity, aren't sure where they fit in. And even when like they get their shine, it's very limited in what their role is. And like I feel like we got these more well-balanced players as a, a testament to to make it better. And they're still kind of only being utilized for, for one skill. And I, I thought Melton was a nice change of pace to transition. I think what we should do how, as far as staggering things – the Sixers seem pretty committed to keeping Harden and Embiid together for the pick and roll, which they already aren't running enough. If that's going to be the case, because that's such a, a half-court set offense, a, a pretty slow-paced, uh, just in its nature, in the, the style of play, you have to make the second unit like a run-and-gun kind of show. And that, like, Maxi obviously fits right into that. Melton fits right into that. Uh, Fiebel even fits right in. Like, you have guys that can, can be a nice, like, change of pace, and that is capable of, like, turning a game on its head when you have a unit that can come in and just create madness, run the fast break, because we see them get outscored in fast break all the time. So I think that's what I want to see from the bench unit is a commitment to increasing the tempo, putting their imprints on this game, wrecking havoc, and, like, getting out and running. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of touches to go around, you know, and, again, even a guy like Tobias kind of fades out of the offense a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, maybe you do got to do a better job of mixing it up and, and staggering, especially like late third quarter, early fourth. I feel like we have these runs where we don't score much, and it's like you can't have that in a pivotal game. So, to me, it really doesn't make much sense. Um, and, and I'm seeing the same things from Doc. Now, I want to talk about a couple of the bench guys. First off, shout out to everybody in the chat. Hit the like button. RB, Sean Bernard, breaking it all down as we always do. If you want to chime in on the conversation, phone number's on the screen, 508-924-3784, or comment in the chat. I want to talk about Fiebel and the bench um, on the other side uh, of the break, but let us know in the chat. How do you feel about Furkan, Shake, Fiebel, you know, all these guys at the bottom of the rotation? It's weird. They have not played. They have not played. And for one of the guys to be, you know, 
so impressive this offseason to not even get more than 20 seconds of game time? I mean, it, it's interesting. We're definitely going to have to talk about it. But first and foremost, before we do that, shout out to uh, our sponsor of today's show, Let's Get Checked, is your uh, leading provider of professional health testing. They make it much easier by allowing you to get tested uh, without having to visit a healthcare provider. They send you one of these kits right in the mail. Uh, it comes right to your doorstep. And within two to five days after taking the test, you send it back and your results are available either online or, or through their app. They'll even have a member of their LGC team call you and, and have you review the results. And the LGC labs are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So all my guys out there, man, you want to get tested, uh, testosterone, you know, colon screening, anything like that. Uh, they have you covered. They have 30 plus tests in their inventory or even my ladies out there, fertility tests, you know, sexual health stuff, diabetes, all those tests they have available in, in their inventory. And, you know, it's, it's a much easier way to expedite the process, not having to wait in a doctor's office, not having to go uh, through the whole insurance thing. So, you know, check them out. Their link is down in the description and use code Philly 25 to get 25% off your order. Let them help you out. Speaking of let's get checked, man, we got to check in on the bench unit because I am, uh, I'm wondering what's going on here with Matisse Thibel. All right. Yeah. And we, we had a little, we had a little conversation about this. We said, is Tease potentially in, in trade talks? Could he get moved? And for a guy to be your most impressive, I'm taking the words of Doc Rivers here. I'm taking the words of Daryl Morey at media day. He's your most impressive. And yet he has not played more than 20 seconds of game time this season. Sean, your take. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Uh, I'm not fully surprised by it. I think that's why there was such a push to trade for him. They tried a ton around the draft, offering Bible in the 23rd pick for stuff. It felt like they tried a ton uh, leading up to this season even, and there just didn't seem to be that much value for him or whatever. And I think the reason the Sixers were pushing so far is now it is clear he's not a guy that cracks their their 10-man rotation or nine-man rotation, which uh, if you're a team, and the the part that concerned me about holding on for Thibel is I don't think he's a player that any team around the NBA looks at and says like, that's our missing team, our missing piece in a playoff rotation because he's just, you know, the limited limitations in his game that become put in, on display in the postseason. But as far as what he is on the Sixers right now, uh, I felt more strongly about it during the Celtics game when they were obviously getting scored on a ton and just needed like a defensive push. But there's like, you still have to find the right way to use him as like a changeup. Like there's going to be games where he's going to be very valuable. So making sure he at least has some sort of flow and isn't coming in straight, like cold is important, but I am surprised to get like under a minute of total play at all through the first two games. Yeah. You know, that sounds nice. And I, I would agree with you, but I, you know, I just don't understand. Like, even if he's a guy you don't see in your long-term plans, right? This is the contract year from Matisse Thibel. You're not even playing him. Like yeah. and now we're taking a step backwards this is a guy who you went out there and and puffed up and said was so improved this offseason and the jump shot and stuff. And by the way, you can't even use him to stop the bleeding against the Boston Celtics who are raining threes over you, you know, with some of their great wing players or the Milwaukee Bucks, even though they're down some players, they were knocking down shots uh, later in the game. So Matisse Thibel doesn't see the floor. What that tells me is this guy is not improved at all. He's not improved at all because, you know, like you said, there there's no room in a rotation, but you're telling me this guy can't even get in for a few minutes because I mean, why? Like, is he a liability? Like what is going on here? Matisse Thibel must not have improved at all. And we saw the videos, we saw the clips, but he's just not it. 
He's just not it. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, it's where we're at. We're through two games against some of the best teams in the league, and this guy could not find the floor. I don't feel good about his future. Yeah, and I kind of expected the Sixers would take the opposite stance. So I don't think they believe in him in their long-term vision at all, but I thought they were going to try and like showcase him a little to pump the trade value to get something or, or get a player that they they do view more in the the long-term vision. I think DeAnthony Melton's the guy that's the... Melton and House, I both think, are the two guys that have kind of knocked him out of the rotation, both just the these guys' ability to play on both sides of the court. Because we all know the limited, uh, the abilities of with his limitations, the way that like he's just not consistent. And he the second he does play on the court, he's going to be tested right away. Like Teams are going to leave him open, let him shoot it, and that's going to be the true make or break. And we saw in preseason the early signs that weren't great. The guy that I, I am a little more surprised to not see any time is Shake Milton. And I get like, there's more ball handlers. I get there's guys. He always felt like a guy that Doc Rivers really liked. And I, I'm just kind of, I, I didn't expect a, a two back-to-back DNPs to start the season from him. I didn't either. I didn't either. I mean, we we talked about our potential bench units. We had them both yeah. playing and he hasn't logged a minute yet. So, you know, th- this also draws to a higher point for me. And I, and I want to know what you think about this. The Sixers, man, they need to, to get some new draft personnel. They need to get some new draft personnel because as a team, as a franchise, you need to draft well. This is just what we see across sports. And some of your picks need to work out. Now, obviously, Maxie was a home run pick, right? A couple other guys that we thought were quality picks are not any longer a part of this team. You need you need to do something here because we're looking at Furkan, who people forget was a former first round pick. Shake was a quality second round pick. Matisse Thibel first round pick. I mean, where the heck is Jaden Springer? Is he even on this team anymore? Like, there are so many of these guys adding up. Yes, we have a great core. Yes, we were able to bring people in via trades and free agency. But I truly feel that when you look at the teams that win, it goes down to the core. Some of the guys need to pan out from your drafting abilities because, you know, you're just not able to go out and acquire everybody. This is what good teams do. Golden State. Boston, like look at these guys they have on their squad. A lot of them are homegrown and, and it's just not working out for the Sixers. And to me, the Thibel thing isn't is if it doesn't work out is an ultimate failure because this guy showed all the potential in the world. There's guys that have showed all the potential in the world. And where are they at a few years later? Where is that developmental stage? I don't see it. Yeah. And I, I think it's I would say I put the blame more on the developmental process than the actual selection. Like when you kind of go through these guys and go to the NBA draft like process, it's so competitive, the NBA, as far as earning a roster spot. We're talking about the 450 best basketball players in the entire world. Like if you hit on just a rotation player at the bottom of the first round, that's kind of a win. And I kind of think that's what they got with guys like Furkan, like Matisse, but getting them to kind of continue adding layers to the game and find ways to ensure that they stay in the rotation is kind of where I see the failure coming. Like for Thibel specifically, his value right now is as low as it's been since he was a sophomore in college. And like, there were times where like we could get a pretty penny flipping this guy for somebody. And instead we kind of believe that he could take these next steps. And I think it's a, it has to do with the fit as well. Like we all talked about the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid issues. Bible brings on these same kind of concerns as far as spacing the defense, not commanding respect, open things up, except Bible doesn't bring like the playmaking or the rebounding or a lot of things that Ben Simmons did do. So I think that's like a testament to him not fitting along the superstar. And Embiid, uh, we do have to give credit, was a slam dunk pick. And that was one that it didn't look like it was going to pan out for a while. So I'll give props there. But I, I think kind of the the management of assets and the 
continued development of these guys is where I kind of see the the line being drawn from the Sixers. It's just crazy to me because Thibault can be a perfect three and D player. Like when I look at Daniel House, right? Even Daniel House can bring a little bit of athleticism. Like we're not asking Teach to take a massive, superior, you know, life changing jump. We're just asking you to knock down some shots. And for a team that has played so poorly defensively, okay, we, I mean, we could break down for hours, like the things we're seeing on defenses, the lapses, the, the non communication, like guys aren't closing out, guys aren't moving their feet, like even rotating the right way the fact of the matter is you have a defensive what we thought at one time was a a game changer a game-changing defensive player who cannot step on the floor cannot help impact this team and it just goes down to the core for me for me I like I just think we need more guys to be able to contribute our bench is not enough right now I thought they would be much better than where they are right now maybe it'll take some time I think Tucker's fine in his room, you know, but Tucker has been around the game for a while, so he understands how to impact the game. The guy had four offensive rebounds last night. He didn't do much else, but he knows how to impact and make his, you know, footprints felt, right? And and some of these guys just don't know how to do that, so it's frustrating. Yeah, no, it's definitely frustrating. And Like, anything we get, like, if if Bible just connects to the NBA average three-point, percentage he's an elite three and d guy up there with the best in the league but we haven't seen that and we've talked about this before but what's discouraged me the most is just the lack in confidence in his own shot and the lack of we saw him play six more minutes per game last year and his three-point attempts go down from the point when he was a rookie and to me that's a a major indictment on him having no confidence in his shot and i get he now just had a whole offseason and apparently worked worked on it a ton and should feel better and maybe he's just not receiving that opportunity but at the same time Doc Rivers see these guys in practice every day. He, I'm sure, has a better feel of Daniel House maybe does impact more to winning or fits alongside what they're doing. So it's frustrating. Uh, the bench, I think we kind of looked at as a, a point of strength going into this year. And through two games, I'm not seeing it. It's interesting, man. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Hit the like button. Subscribe right now for 24-7 coverage, man. Call us up if you want to chime into the conversation. Let us know how you're feeling, man. In terms of this team, Sean, you know, obviously we're not at a panic point by any means. Two games, a lot of people overreacting. Maybe it sounds like we're overreacting. We're just analyzing what we're seeing because I, I said this yesterday as well. As a team who is now all in, as a team who has gotten this far in the Embiid regime, you know, you, you have to hold this team to a higher standard. You know, we, we can't do the little things wrong because the way that you do these things wrong in the regular season can carry over to the, the postseason. And I'm not saying that everything now will Obviously, it's about getting hot at the right time, but you have to do things the right way. You have to have that right identity, especially from early on. You have to show that championship DNA. And, you know, we have a, we have a good amount of easy games coming up. We have the Spurs. We have the Pacers. Raptors, we could probably split one and one. We got the Wizards. We can probably go one and one or two and oh against them. Um, what point would we start to panic, though? You know, like, it, I mean, I'm not concerned right now. I think Embiid will be fine. I think he's going to hear all this noise and he's going to step up and have a massive game one of the next few and hopefully Harden can keep it going. Maxi can get it rolling. But if they don't, man, like what point do we sit back here and we look and we go, something's got to happen. Something might have to change. Is it now? Is it now? What do you think? Yeah, it's not now. We might hit it. Uh, I guess to the Sixers defense a little bit, like looking at the two teams they played, 
the Bucks and Celtics pretty likely will end up the top two seeds in the East this year. And both these teams are running back these same squads that they had last year. Obviously, Chris Middleton wasn't there for the Bucks, but they're bagging up a little bit. The Celtics know Ime Yudoka, and but they got better. Malcolm Brogdon's a, a big deal uh, to their rotation. And just like their identity, neither one of these teams has really changed. Like they have that continuity. These Sixers are still figuring out theirs. And as much as like we, James Harden was obviously here last year, he played 21 regular season games before the playoffs. He's still exactly figuring out his role within these teams. All these new additions. P.J. Tucker, a brand new starter. I believe I heard the stat that 93% of the Bucks made points last year uh, returned for this season. It was definitely in the 90s if it was 93. But uh, either way, like the Sixers are still kind of the new kids on the block as far as finding their stride. And uh, I think it's going to be nice for them to have some easier matchups to have a chance to kind of work through the kinks where it's not as big a deal if they're not perfect on everything because they kind of had to be in these two. Uh, it's a long season. They're going to find it. The James Harden's play is what gives me the biggest reason of optimism. And if everything can click around him, this is right up there with the top teams in the NBA. Can he maintain that, though? Like, you know, for a full season, can we stay yeah. healthy? I mean, it is a little bit. Con- the only thing I'm concerned about hearing about this plantar fasciitis again, I don't know you know, where it all is coming from right now, but just hearing these little nagging things, I, I don't like to hear that, especially early in a season, you need to be at peak performance in terms of coming off the off season, having some rest time. I don't want these things to linger. That's, that's the only thing I'm a little bit worried about, but I, you know, from a mental standpoint, I know Joel will be fine. I know he will get it going. It's just a matter of, you know, Will we stay healthy throughout the entire year? Will these guys continue uh, to be able to to play like this, especially James Harden? Yeah, and that is, those are the questions that we're going to see play out. We're going to hate it as it happens, but if you like were to flash forward ahead of the season and tell me if I'm cool with like Embiid looking terrible through the first 40 games and then flipping the switch, finding a way, I'd be totally cool with that if that's his <laughs> save himself. Yeah. And now, granted, we're going to be pulling our hairs out if that is the case and that's how things go. But like, at the end of the day, the postseason is what matters and what Embiid is going to be focused on. This Sixers team, even all that we're complaining about, this still is absolutely a playoff team and probably a pretty high seed. So they're going to, the, the wins will even out against these smaller teams. I do believe Joel will find his stride. Uh, it, it was concerning these first two games, but I'm not ready to, to call for any major changes yet. I agree. And look, man, Sixer Nation will probably disagree with us. I mean, it's been two games. They're calling, you know, for Doc's head. They're, talk, they're calling for Joel's head. I mean, here. People are absolutely crazy. They're going way off the ledge. I think we'll bring it together and we'll be fine. My my concern is just about the playoffs as well. Like, you know, will we see these same things happen and happen and happen? The situational basketball where it's tough. You know, like like last game, it felt like it was a game that was in control. Like it, it felt like we had it won. And I don't know. I, I just I don't want to keep seeing those things. Um, but into you know. I mean, they were good milestone, like benchmark games, I guess, like, you know, to, to measure up how you're going to go up against these teams. Um, but I agree, like later in the season, if Joel just flips it on, like we'll, we'll be a much different team at that point, And we got to get hot at the right time. Um, but there are still some issues to uh, to look out for. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's all going to be a work in progress. Like I said, I think the like it's tough to come out of the gates with those two as your first two games. That's those are two really brutal measuring stick games and being tested. And I think this is a team that just needs to to find its own self and preseason, like as much as it's nice to kind of shake the rust off, you just can't replicate like the intensity, the importance of a regular season game when it comes to rotations, how guys play and, and the level that goes with it. So uh, it'll be nice to see them get back in action tomorrow against the Spurs. 
I am confident the the Sixers are going to produce a pretty comfortable win and a somewhat of a blowout just to kind of get back on the right foot and shut us all up. The San Antonio Spurs, the return of Greg Pop and Brett Brown as right. the assistant. It, that game's home, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Brett Brown coming back to the Wells Fargo. Will he get an ovation in his return? <laughs> what do you think? He should. I think he absolutely will. I think he will, too, even though I won't like it. But no, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, Brett, it is what it is with Brett Brown. In fact, Brett Brown is still to this day the only coach to hold Ben Simmons accountable. So I, I, I apologize, Brett, and I have to give you credit for that because um, he was the only one that tried. He was the only one that tried. So, hey, I'm, I'm glad to see him back, though, in the game. I'm glad to see him back in all seriousness. Like, he's a good guy. He's a good dude. Um, but I do agree. We need to go out there and smack, smack the San Antonio Spurs. We need to just devour them. Not, not one of these close games where – it comes down to a last possession, Joel and B trying to pull. No, 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 no. You got to destroy the team. That team stinks. And if the Sixers were to ever come out and lose tomorrow, man, you, you might you might want to stay off the internet for a little bit. You might want to <laughs> stay off the internet for a little bit because people will absolutely lose their minds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I do love Brett Brown. I give him a shout out for him. It was definitely time to move on and for a new voice to step in the building, but he did some awesome things and there are very few coaches who could have handled the process as well as he did. So I hope he gets well-received. I believe he will. And it is good to see him back in the game, earning his stripes again. And he seems in like a, a better mind state. So shout out Brett Brown. Always happiness. Got to get a W. You got to get a W. Uh, what else? The, the defense. That's the other thing I wanted to ask you. Like, do you think there are different combinations we can run through with the defense? Like people have been saying to me, Maxie and Harden just can't get it done in the backcourt. What do you think about those two playing next to each other in terms of a defensive purpose? I know we talked offensively. Uh, what do you think about them two together as a pair? Yeah, I unfortunately think there is weight to that. Just like logistically looking at it, like Maxie is as much as he tries defensively and he's gotten better since he came into the NBA. He's still six foot two, not the the strongest guy in the world. And like, he doesn't have the longest arms. He's just, there's matchups that he's going to struggle with. Like when we think about the Celtics matchup, if he has to face off with like a Jalen Brown, like that's just never going to happen from him. And for James Harden, like his isn't physically, but like you, you see the limitations of what he does and the effort that he gives at the time chasing around screens. That's never going to be something he does chasing guys around. Uh, so I don't know all the talk about like a top 10 defense is like, it does scare me with them in the backcourt. I like having D'Anthony Melton as kind of the third guy rotating in there because I, I do think he's very good defensively. I think he tries uh, super hard. Athleticism is there. The technique is there, and I like what he brings. The defense is pretty much going to come down to what version of Joel Embiid is on the court, and it obviously wasn't good enough through these first two games. When he is locked in, he sets the tone for this entire team, and his level of play dictates how high they play at. So that's when things are going to start to turn around is when he flips that switch on that end of the court. But I, I, I am a little concerned about the, the Maxi Harden defensive pairing. I have to, I, I'm not going to make a judgment yet, but I, I would lean towards what you're saying about there could be room for some concern. You know, there was a lot of hype, this team <clears throat> coming in as, you know, what they're saying, a top 10, top five defense doesn't look like it so far. And I just need guys to be more vocal on, on the floor. You know, I mean, that's what we talked about. We talked about uh, Trez. We talked about Niang, Tucker, you know, wh where's that dog at? Where's that dog at? We need that against these big teams, man. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, shout out to my guy, Superhero, in the chat. He says, Maxi should guard on ball and Harden should be the off ball guy. I think Maxi can move his feet. Um, yeah. It, again, it's just going to take them all some time to get it going. Hopefully. Hopefully that's what it is because uh, right now, you know, 
it has not been pretty the first couple games. Yeah, and schematically, they have made some changes this year. They're playing way more switch coverage than we've seen from the Sixers team traditionally, and that goes with all, obviously, the new looks, the guys that, the Daniel Houses, the D'Anthony Mellon, the guys that are capable of doing this, and that's how you have to guard in today's NBA. Like, you really just can't get away with playing drop coverage as often as the Sixers have in the past. A lot of that does circle back to Joel Embiid being a guy that, like, is more comfortable uh, camping out by the paint rather than being on the perimeter, but he can do it when he needs to, and Again, this is regular season. I think playoffs will be a little bit of a different story for his defensive mentality. But uh, a lot of, I think, the the defensive shortcomings have come from, like, miscommunications, misreads. And you don't like to see it, but it's also, like, when those are fixed, the defense will be better, which I guess is some sort of uh, optimism from me. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, shout out to everybody in the chat. I guess nobody wants to step up to the plate and, and chime in on the phone lines. Uh, shout out to everybody, though, commenting, giving us your thoughts. The team will be fine. That's what we need to tell ourselves. Hopefully, we'll be all right. We can push through this. Uh, just a, a rough start. But again, we did play some pretty good teams. So, you know, Sean, what, what do you have to say about going forward? Like, where where should Sixers fans' heads be at? Like, where, where's the, the feeling, the base for, the, for this fan base right now? Yeah, it's not ideal. Uh, the version that we get of Joel Embiid looking, moving forward is going to be uh, the biggest storyline, I think. I think people should rest comfortably on what we're seeing from James Harden, having him be the guy that can be a true co-star to this team. So overall, I think a little more positive than I think the 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 temperature check on it is. But there's definitely like reasons to be concerned, and I, I don't think people are wrong for being super worried about this team right now. Yeah, well, hopefully we get it on track uh, tomorrow and, and the next couple games. I mean, it would be nice to rally off like three in a row or four in a row just to kind of like calm the temperature a little bit because, you know, people are starting to boil over. Like I said, if we don't, Man, there are going to be a lot, a lot of things said. A lot of things said. Uh, Once again, shout out to Let's Get Checked for sponsoring tonight's show. Let them help you make professional health testing easier. They'll deliver this right to your front front doorstep. Bunch of tests, bunch of different kinds of things uh, to go check out on their website, man. The link is in the description. We know how important it is to maintain your health nowadays. Use promo code Philly25. Get 25% off your order. That being said, man, anything else, Sean? Anything else you want to end off on? Uh, nothing too much. I'm, I'm ready to see a, a nice convincing win against the Spurs tomorrow. Ready for them to shut everybody up a little bit. So I do think that's going to be the case. That's what I expect to see. And uh, this is coming at a good time, getting kind of the, the, the rebuilding Spurs against the Sixers in need of a win. Yeah, man, I hope so. I hope so. Shout out to, um, where is he at in the chat? I don't know where he at. Um, a lot of people are slandering Joel, so I, it got lost up in the comments. I wanted to shout out, shout out one of the comments, but um, we'll read Superhero's comment. He says, here's the thing with switching. To me, the best defense is when you switch positionally as opposed to switching everything. When you switch everything, you get mismatches. And I feel like a lot of teams are kind of targeting us as well. I feel like a lot of team or the, the first couple teams, at least, a lot of different guys are trying to get Joel in that switch, um, you know, to get that optimal mismatch and, and try to blow by. So... You know, it'll be interesting. I mean, there there were a lot of surprises around the league so far, in my opinion. So I don't think it's just us, you know, but um, definitely some some tendency things that you need to work on for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, long season. We still got eighty more to go. We'll be uh, we'll be around every step of the way. So absolutely, uh, I'm ready to. Yeah, I'm ready to see this team kind of take some steps in the right direction. And uh, all hope is not lost. The talent's still there. It's just gotta find a way to get it all clicking. The wise words of Sean Bernard: All hope is not lost all hope is not lost shout out to everybody for coming through this is philly take with rb the breakdown the next day after we talk we recap we discuss 
Shout out to everybody for coming through, man. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the show. Be sure to check it out, Sean. All the work he's doing as well. He's got all the inside stuff, man. All the inside stuff. We'll keep on covering. We'll keep on breaking it down. Sixer Nation, take a breath. Have a good weekend. And most importantly, go Phillies. Phillies got to get it back on track tonight. What do you think? Phillies win? Yes or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ranger. Gonna have, Ranger's about to throw a gem today. I feel good about it. Let's do it, man. Hey, shouts to everybody. Appreciate y'all for coming through. Back tomorrow, Sixers and Spurs. Let's get a W, man. See you.